0: Take a seat, guys. take a seat mm-hmm. now i caught- I called today's message why cap but after Vanessa, I think she's just answered it really <laughs> to be honest um but I, we we launched cap here last October, and that would have been um, when we were in the two congregations in the London Irish Centre in the morning, and then at Chalk Farm in the evening, and it seems like a world away now, doesn't it, when when, when that's how it was for us, and um, I'm sure we were all motivated and inspired at the time, but probably two things have happened, number one, there may be numbers of you that weren't with us then, and you know we do cat, but you don't, and you know it's a good thing, but in terms of really getting God's heart in it, maybe you're not so clear. The second thing is that maybe you were around, but you know what? A year's a long time, and it can just be good to go back again and look at this subject and see that it's not just a marginal thing, but this issue of debt—not um, just financial debt, but everything about debt—is cl- very close to God's heart. And um, just, I want us to just be a, be around God's heart for these kind of situations again, just to make sure that we're not just going through the motions and going through uh, doing it as a routine, but that we're really pumping with the fire of God about this. Does that make sense? So that's really the heart behind it. Please don't uh, assume that um, nothing new is going to come, because even when we hear old stuff, the Holy Spirit is well able to bring it to life again, and it's like we've never heard it. So I'm going to pray and just ask God to help us. So Father, we just just say, God, we need you, and um, I want to rely on your spirit now as I speak, that it wouldn't just be... um, Saying words, Lord, just same words and hoping they'll do. I pray God that we would sense something of your nearness and and literally your heartbeat, Lord, would be felt in our hearts today and we know that you operate at the heart level uh, it's not you're not interested if it's if it's just externals, you tire of it, and so do we. and so Lord, I pray that we feel your heart in our hearts today and um, that we would be softened and melted again and and, and even there would be fresh, fresh fuel, fresh zeal, Lord God, um, for what you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, with all the gospel communities going on, guys reaching into prisons, guys reaching asylum seekers and refugees, guys reaching various different locations and students and all this stuff and food bank, CAP can become one of those things that's just part of so much that's going on. And in a sense, that's true. In a sense, you know, um, we're doing a lot and we feel God's given us the grace to do a lot and we don't want to just sort of focus on one thing. Nevertheless, it's good to just stop and every now and then, I guess, pull one out and say, why do we do it? So, why cap? Well, let's start in Isaiah chapter 61. So, if you've got a Bible with you, please turn to the book of Isaiah. Um, he, if you go into the middle, you're going to end up in the Psalms. And then just keep going forward and you'll find the book of Isaiah. And it's chapter 61 is where we're going to read. If you're not used to reading the Bible, how it works is, is the big numbers of the chapters, small numbers are the verses. So, big, uh, big 61... And then we're going to start at the, at the, at the beginning of um, chapter 61. Now, Isaiah was a prophet who was around about 700 years before Jesus. And, um, and so in a sense, Isaiah's talking about himself here in what he's about to say. But he's also speaking about the one to come, the Messiah, the Christ, Jesus. So you, often when you read prophets, you've got to read them on two levels. Often it's working in the here and now, but they're speaking also about something that's to come. So let's read. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, To proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To grant to those who mourn in Zion. To give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of a fainting spirit that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Now, what has happened in that small paragraph there is very, very huge. Isaiah started talking about these people who are poor or brokenhearted, imprisoned and oppressed. And then at the end of this small paragraph... We read that the same people are, are raising up former devastations, rebuilding and repairing broken cities. And you think, what has happened in order for, for those people that are brokenhearted and in prison, uh, in a sense, and oppressed and, and captives to now be city changers? What is this? It's incredible, whatever it is. Well, it's fulfilled in Christ. When Jesus Christ came and he was baptized and he then went into the wilderness and was tempted for some days. Uh, 40 days, and then he came out and he went to a synagogue and he picked up the scroll of Isaiah and he, and he took it to this point and he read out this exact passage and then he said, today, in your hearing, this scripture is fulfilled. And Jesus was saying, this is about me. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. I am anointed by the Holy Spirit to do this. I am anointed by the Holy Spirit to preach good news to the poor. And we, saw, we see him do that all through the Gospels. We see the common people hanging on his every word. It was only the religious people and the influential people who had a problem with Jesus. The common people loved him. We see him binding up the broken people whose lives were ruined, people who were ostracized, people who were marginalized, people who were vulnerable. We see him reaching out to them. We see him going to those who no one else would go to. We see him touching those who no one else would touch. The leper, the woman with the issue of blood, We see this whole thing being fulfilled by Christ. We see those who are captive, captive to dark powers, being released and in their right mind. Those who are imprisoned by various crippling diseases being healed and able to leap around and rejoice. We see Christ. We see Jesus doing all of this stuff. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to behold. But then you see, just before, after Jesus then uh, dies on the cross and is raised from the dead, just before he goes back to heaven, he appears to his disciples, and in John chapter 20, verse 21, he says to them, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And really what he's saying in that is, the kind of things I've done, now you're going to do. Which is why the church is called the body of Christ, because we're the, the hands and feet of Jesus. We are to do the works that Jesus did. And so actually, this passage isn't just about Isaiah, and it's not just about Jesus. Guess who else it's about? Us. this is the calling on our lives this is, what, this is what the Spirit has anointed us for if you are a Christian and the Holy Spirit has filled you and come on you this is what he has come on you for it's not for goosebumps and fuzzy feelings it's to preach the gospel to the poor it's to proclaim liberty to captives it's to be, it's to be able to express the, the burning love heart of God To people around us. That's why the Spirit is on us. It's not to like. It's not when we say fill me with the Spirit. The whole idea is not like we become like a cup and the Spirit fills us and just kind of sits there. It's that we would be a conduit that the river of God would flow through us to other people. If it stops with us, it goes stagnant. Like any any pool of water doesn't go anywhere. It just becomes kind of. It just gets covered over. It becomes stinking and nasty and green. The plan is for the river of God to flow from his throne into us and out from us. And we will be blessed and be a blessing. So this passage is about us. It's really incredible. It's about the church. The gospel is good news to the poor. Really good news to the poor. Now I want to say this. I want to say, am I saying in that, that it's only good news for those who are skinned? It's only good news for those who are going through really hard times. Now the Bible says we're all poor. The Bible actually teaches on one level that all of us are poor. We're all broke. We're we're broke psychologically. Or or, or we're broke socially. Or emotionally. Or personally. Or even if you feel, no, no, none of those things, I've got it all together, then I want to break this news to you. You're broke spiritually. The Bible teaches that we're broke. We're broken. We're not what we, we, we were supposed to be in relationship with God, but we're born out of that. So the most fundamental brokenness we can all, we all know, we can all say, that's me. That relates to me. Our relationship with God is broken. Now, many don't realise this. Many, many struggle with this. this is a, for many, what Jesus would call a stumbling block. It's like, it's this idea, and you just can't, you can't get it, and so it causes you really to fall flat on your face. You don't get any further. The fact that we are all poor. There was a church in the book of Revelation, and Jesus says to them, he, he speaks to them really strong words. They lived in a very affluent part of the, of the, um, of the region, Loads of commerce went on. It was a place where, you know, they were, they were well-to-do. And Jesus says this to them. It's in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17. Very strong words that none of us want to hear Jesus saying to us. He says this. He says, you say, I am rich. I have prospered and I need nothing. Not realizing that you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind and naked. You see, the problem was, was that they had so much that they didn't, understand, they didn't see they were poor. They didn't see, they couldn't see their need for God. And it's really interesting that it's the parts of the world where actually there are the poorest parts where the gospel is really marching forward at an amazing pace. Now, why is that? Because there can be two takes on it. The first take is this. Some people say, well, the reason why the gospel's going forward there is because people need it there. We don't need it here. Or people, it's like they need a crutch. Yeah, people get the fact that they're, they're, they haven't got everything, so they need some kind of emotional crutch or social thing, you know, gather with other people, and it makes them feel better. So they, they um, express it or interpret it psychologically, yeah? Well, that's just what's going on, you know, so, and so in order, because life's hard, people need something, that, that is one take on it. I want to suggest another take for you. I want to suggest this take, that when things go wrong in life, when the money dries up, or when relationships break down, or when things start going a bit crazy even inside your head, or whatever, it's an opportunity to wake from the delusion. It's an opportunity to wake up from the delusion that you've got it all sewn up, that you've got it all together, that things are fine. It actually could well be God's mercy, saying, do you know what, you're actually very needy. You're a- actually, it's not, it's not what you think it is. You've misunderstood how life is and who you are because you've been surrounded by these f- pretend securities and that times has got to let them come away so that you think, well, what's going on? And God says, you need me. It's God's way of doing it. That is the biblical take on it and I believe that is the truth around it. The gospel is good news for the poor. That means it's good news for all of us. If we'll only see that we're poor. If we'll only see that we are poor. And God's heart goes out to people that recognise it. When people recognise, you know what, I need something, God moves towards them. There's, a, there's a something in the heart of God that is triggered by that. It's called compassion. When suddenly people move away from pride and self-sufficiency and actually say, Do you know what, I actually maybe I'm not the full ticket. <laughs> maybe, things up, maybe it's not how I thought. Maybe I can't. Maybe I'm not the captain of my own destiny. Maybe I can't figure it all out. Something in the heart of God, His compassion triggers, and he moves towards us in that place. And in that place actually, where we feel like, do you know what? Ouch, I'm weak. And we feel like maybe I'm a bruised reed. The Bible says, a bruised reed he will not break. Wow, what compassion. There we are in our pride. A few things happen, and we're like, ouch, we see it for how it is. You think at that moment, God might kick us when we're down, or say, I told you so. Instead, he comes with his compassion and says, I love you. Let me lift you up. The Bible says that a little smoldering wick like on a candle. You know when you have a candle and you think, oh, it's nearly gone. It says that he won't blow it, he won't snuff it out. He'll put his hand around it, protect it, and nurture it back. It's the mercy of God. The gospel is good news to the poor. And you may be here today, maybe, you're, maybe you, you can't relate to Vanessa. Maybe financially you, you've got no debts. You're in a great place. Things are, things are going well. And I just wanted to just say, please stop and, and please, please think about things. Please don't take a kind of false comfort from that and just think, everything's fine. Everything's fine. I want to suggest to you that it isn't without him. That you were made for a relationship with him, that you were made to know him. And until you really know him, the life that you live is a kind of half life. There's a there's a deadness about it. He said, Jesus said, I've come to bring life in all its fullness. Why cap? Second reason. There's three reasons. Second reason, God cares for the whole person. Some people think God cares about the soul and the spirit. But you know the kind of the mind and the body. God's not kind of interested in that stuff. It's not It's not very spiritual. Not true. God cares. God made the physical creation, didn't he? God spoke all into being. And then what did God say about it? It's good. God cares about the whole person. You know, you read in the story in the Metro early this week about that couple who, the suicide-packed couple. The guy was an ex-army guy, married a woman. With, she had special needs of some sort and... Uh, she, her, pro, her, her application for incapacity benefit was still being processed, so she couldn't get any benefits, but she couldn't get JSA, Job Seeker's Allowance, because she really you know, really did not have any employable kind of uh, skills at all. And as a result, they were living off a pittance. And uh, in the end, they just couldn't. They used to walk 12 miles every week to a soup run, walk 12 miles to get some vegetables and soup and then home again. And in the end, they just said, we can't do this. It went on for months and months. And they used to live in one room of their house. I could only keep one room warm. In our country, this week made a suicide pact. That breaks God's heart. That absolutely breaks God's heart. That's outrageous. It's outrageous when that happens in people's lives. And it it, it makes it makes God makes God weep that kind of stuff. And it we should feel the same the same thing because God cares for the whole person. We see it in Jesus. He Talked the people for three days. And then he said, well, don't send them away. We've got to give them something to eat. These disciples are saying, there's 5,000 of them. What do you mean, give them something to eat? And Jesus did a miracle. But what did it come out of? Compassion. He said they might faint on the way home. I love it. When Jesus raised a little girl from the dead, what did he say to her? He said, to little little girl arise. And then what did he say to her parents? Get her something to eat. Get some cornflakes you've been asleep for a while amazing <laughs> isn't it beautiful you just see it's not all highfalutin la di he cares he cares for the details he cares for every element of our lives Jesus is God manifest you all know what God's like look at Jesus look at him care look at the way he is in Matthew 25 Jesus says you know it's going to be decided on the last day in terms of who's the sheep who's the goats who's with me who isn't by, by what well by did you, did you feed me when I was hungry did you clothe me when I was naked, did you visit me when I was in prison? Wow. Why? Because he cares for the whole person. It's God's heart. You've got to get this. Historically, you see, the, the liberal churches have been really good at doing the good works, and but really not good at preaching the gospel. The evangelicals have been really good at preaching the gospel, and really not very good at doing the good works. And uh, Christian maturity is preaching the gospel and doing good works. That's the heart of God. Jesus made it really clear that words and words alone are not enough. They aren't. Words are vital, but they're not enough. What did Jesus say? You're the light of the world. You're the light of the world. And A city set on a hill can't be hidden. Who lights a lamp and then covers it over? Let your light shine. Why? So that people may see your good works. And then what? Glorify your Father in heaven. There it is. Good works should be central to who we are. We don't get saved by good works, do we? But we get saved for good works. Central to what we are saved for. It's very, very important. All of creation is sacred and good. It is, is, when you clothe someone or feed someone, it's part of the kingdom of God coming. It's saying this is what God's rule looks like. Care for you. To just care about someone, you know, caring about someone done out of of Christian motivation is part of your worship. It's part of your expressing the kingdom of God. It's, It's massive. Massively huge. And it's, it's, we, need to, we need to just be carrying that in our heart. And the third thing is this. Why cap? Because God loves clearing debts. Isn't it a nice feeling when you clear a debt? Anyone here cleared a debt before? Some of you students are like, no, but I hope to one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Clearing debts is a, is a really nice feeling. And God loves to clear debts. It's, uh, to live with debt over you is not nice. And, you know, at this point, I, my aim by aim by I understand how it works in our country with study, and I, I get how it works. I'm not trying to put anyone, anyone under anything, so I don't hear what I'm not saying. But nevertheless, it, to live with that over you, you just think it'd be really nice when that's gone. <laughs> yeah? Because it just kind of sits there at the back. Do you know what I mean? It just kind of sits there, and um, gradually reducing, hopefully, but just sitting there. And when it's gone, it's just that, it's a beautiful thing clear debts. In fact Christian the Christian teaching teaches that don't live a lifestyle of debt. Don't do that. God has a lot to say about money and, and living in your means and all he had a lot to say about stewardship and all of these things. There's a lot of stuff in the Bible. I think Jesus talk on talks on money more than anything else because he knew it it's a big deal it, in terms it often reflects where our heart is at what we do with our money, you know, it, it's, it's, a real, it's a real reflection, where your treasure is, there your heart is, and people can get in a real pickle through mismanagement of finance and all of this stuff, this is, a, this is big stuff, guys, it's big stuff for all of us to come to terms with, and you know, it looks like now potentially a double dip recession, you know, potentially the world's going to go into another recession, that's like worst case scenario, but it's looking very, very likely, um, you know, this, this whole cap stuff is huge and going to get huger by the looks of it so it's also a case of being able to witness to people as they come in a different way of living it's really really. we've done a lot of talk on giving I'm not doing that now but I'm talking a little bit about stewardship and stuff like that Romans 13 8, Paul says Do not, don't owe anything to anyone except to love them Okay. so we are indebted to love each other but you shouldn't be piling up debts here, there and everywhere because um, uh, you, you, get, you get in trouble with catalogs and all that sort of stuff been there Growing up, that's how it was. Growing up, single parent family, mum on benefits, four of us kids, you know, pressure at school to have the right clothes and all of that. And I put my mum under the pressure, but I need that, I need that jumper, you know. Because um, it's, a, it's, a, it's tough. I remember my friends turning on me in year seven, all of them turned on me because of the way I was dressed. Came down from lunch, whole class turned against me. Bang. Why? Because of my clothes. So that puts an 11 year old under a lot of pressure. He goes home and he says, Mum, do you know what? I need, I need some stuff. And uh, my mate hasn't got no money, so she goes catalogue. And then next thing, bup, 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 you get into the habit of that, you're in trouble. It's easy. It's not hard. It's easy. Pressure's coming in. You feel it. As a Christian, you've got to find a way through somehow, haven't you? You've got to find a way through. But debt is not the way. Debt is not the way. It really isn't the way. We are to owe people our love <laughs> and the gospel. That's really what we're about. That's why we do the cat money calls. That's preventative. That's if you're like, you just think, well, I'm not in debt, but I want to learn how to manage my money well. Cut money Course, Do it. I've not done it. I want to do it. Uh, everyone's telling me I should do it. I don't know why they keep telling me that. But um, <laughs> apparently it's absolutely brilliant. But I want to I talk, I want to take the debt thing a bit wider and just help us understand how, in a sense, we all, we, all, we all get debt. Here's what I mean. There is such thing as moral debt. There's financial debt, but then there's this moral debt. And I want to speak about this for just a few minutes because we all have it in the sense that all of us say things do things think things that like, <laughs> kind of act like how can I describe it almost like taking credit out of our account with God in a sense it's that we say and we do things that, that are offensive to him and that Offend him and insult him, and it, sometimes it's not what we do; it's what we don't do. Don't give him a thought. Just get on with our life or whatever. And it builds up this moral debt, and the problem is that it grows every day, and it kind of hangs over us. And maybe, maybe you're not even aware of that. Maybe no one's even told you that. But the Bible is really clear that that there is a God who is perfect, morally perfect, and a God who made us for His glory to be like Him, and a God who is deeply offended when we turn from Him and do. Our own thing. So how is, so? I said at the start of this point that God loves clearing debt. So I say, what has God done about that debt? Let me read to you what God has done about that debt. It says that Jesus is central to what God has done about that debt. And in Colossians chapter 2, verse 14, it says this. It's a beautiful, powerful verse. It says that you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. And God made you alive together with Christ, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Listen to this. By cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. There was this debt that stood against us with these legal demands. God's law. Love me with all of your heart. Do not steal. Do not commit adultery. Honour your parents. You know the Ten Commandments, or maybe you don't. Don't give a false witness. Don't say things that are untrue. Don't murder, which gets to the heart of the matter, includes being angry with people, all the stuff. There's this legal demands which we constantly fail, and this debt, this moral debt, builds and builds and builds. And the Bible says that through Christ, God has cancelled the debt. This he's set aside. So he's got a debt, and he has set aside, and what's he done? He has nailed it to the cross. So when you see Jesus' hands being nailed to the cross, also see against it the the moral debt that me and you owe for the things we do. Bang, being banged into that cross. And it's God saying, I no longer hold this against you. Bang, into Jesus. Jesus taking the judgment and punishment for our sins. Why? So that we could go free. Now that is why we come and we sing and we celebrate on a Sunday and other times. That is why we do it. Why? Because we are those whose sins have been forgiven, whose debt has been set aside. And Isn't it a beautiful feeling? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's incredible, it's miraculous, it's glorious. And so what cap is, is this. It's not, it, 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 on the one hand, it's a practical expression of the gospel. We're saying, do you know what? God cares about your financial situation as well as your soul. Okay? So it practically expresses the gospel, but it's more than that. It's a prophetic signpost saying, you can have more than your financial debts cleared, you can have your moral debt set aside. That the guilt and the shame of wrong things done and and dark things experienced, you can have the shame and the guilt of that set aside and nailed to the cross, because that's what God's done through Christ. You can know the joy of that. And so that's why when we go, we help people with financial debt things unconditionally. We just express the love of God. No one's forced to come to church or... We offer to pray with people all the time, but no one's forced to do anything. You can't force anyone. But we always hold out the word and say, do you know what? Jesus. He's died for you. Jesus loves you. He just cares about you. And this, this Jesus is unlike anything you've ever heard in terms of other religion. It's a totally different thing. It's not about what we do to try and get right with God. God's done it. God has done it in sending his Son. God has done all the action, all the work so that we actually just find that we come into something that God has accomplished and find our conscience cleansed and find that burden of sin and guilt lifted off our shoulders where we can learn to run, run freely again in life knowing the love of God over us. See, this is why we do camp. This is why we, the gospel is good news to. The, God cares about the whole person. And God loves clearing debts. He loves clearing financial debts, and he loves clearing moral, spiritual debts. That's why we do it. That's the heart of God. That's why we go on these visits. That's why, I know many of you, you've been, you're an incredible bunch. The things that you get up to behind the scenes. The visits... The praying, the helping out—I know you've gone to court with people, and it's just incredible. And you know, it's just the work of God's grace in your life. You've, you've received that yourself, and so you, you give that out, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing. But I want to remind us, church, that's why we do it. Okay, that's why we do it. When it's hard, when it's tiring, when it's tough, and many of us may not be involved in cap, but we're involved in other stuff. Well there's different minor points but the same reason we do it always because we thought it matters to god it matters to him and we love him don't we yeah. we love him because he first loved us and i want to just finish today really just talking for a, a few minutes um, about the love of god and then nick's going to come and do a few practical things and uh, and then we're going to we're going to respond back to back to the lord with bread and wine and songs i want to just The Bible says love is the greatest. There's lots of things going on in the Christian life. There's faith, there's hope, there's fellowship, there's there's kind of military. Come on, let's let's take ground and all that sort of talk, which is great, you know, you know me, I love all that. We're into all that, yeah. There's so many different ways of approaching things. But at the end of the day, what's the greatest? It's love. Okay? So if we were like amazing faith church and saw breakthrough and this, that and the other, but the love wasn't there, we we we've we're, we're not doing well. We're not doing well. If we're a church that's really strong in hope and we've really grasped the fact we've got an eternal hope, it's not all about this age, we've got the age to come and we're living in the light of eternity, but actually there's no love. It's not really great. And, and the Bible says, you know, that you can have an amazing spiritual gifts and you can have, speak in tongues of men, languages of men and angels, but without love it's just like clang, clang, clang. It's, it's a, it's a, oh, It's ugly, it's horrible. The Bible says you can know all the mysteries and discern all prophetic insight without love nonsense. The Bible even says you can, t- you can t- give your body to be burned. You can go to martyrdom without love. Try and prove something. I don't know, who knows. Try and prove, oh, I've got what it takes or I can be that guy without love. It's worthless. It's worthless. And my prayer, my hope for my own life, as a, just as a person, as a Christian, as a husband, as a dad, as a member of this church, as one of the pastors of this church, is that my life will be marked by love? And I'm saying, God, you know, if there's if there's nothing else, I want loads. <laughs> if there's nothing else, that's that's the that's the thing, that's the thing, because that's the greatest. That's the greatest, and that is the heart of God. That is the heart of God. He loves faith. Without faith, he can't please me. Loves it. He loves. It. He loves bold moves. He loves all of that. But he's always, got, he's always got another eye towards what's driving it. Looking for love. Love for him. Just love for, love for him. It's a big deal. Just to love him. To be devoted to him. To love him. Because love will, love will get you to do stuff that nothing else can. Yeah? Just that you love him. That you love each other. That is it's so important that in all that we're doing, some of us it's a bit mad running here, there and everywhere, that we make sure that we're loving each other. And that we're giving time to that, it's really, really important. And uh, and we're learning how to do that. Not just sticking with the same people, but not not being cliquey. Just learning t- to love each other and honor, prefer each other, build each other up, give space for each other, prefer each other, forgive each other. All of these things constantly, constantly learning to learn, thinking the best of each other, being patient with one another. And then when we love those who aren't part of the church here those who maybe don't know the Lord yet we're going to bring them into something really rich we're going to bring them into something really like oh wow this, is, this, is, this seems like the real thing because it is so I just want to end with that really and say let's let everything we do be fired ultimately by love by God's love uh, it's the great leveler it's the centre it's what drove God to give his one and only son isn't it so loved the world you know there will be sacrifices there already are I know a lot of us, you know, even today, a lot of you, well done, you got it with the crazy transport all up the wall. Sacrificial, you could have just thought, I'm going to go home, but you didn't. Sacrificial, I commend you for that. Um, the only way you can keep sacrificing and not dip into just living an easy life, has got to be if you constantly, you keep yourself in the love of God, yeah? Just keep receiving that love, why? Because we love because he first loved us. So keep yourself under it, keep meditating on it, keep receiving it, Then you can give it out to others. Don't just, don't just try and do it out of your own resources. It runs dry pretty quick. Take it from me. <laughs> yeah? Let's just be still for God for a moment, shall we? There's anyone in the room that you just, you know, you think maybe you're even surprised yourself, but you, you just think, I, I, don't, I don't know Jesus in the way this guy's talking about. I don't know him. And it may be that you've been in church a lot or not at all, I don't know, but you just feel like, you've heard something today and the Holy Spirit has just done something in the sense that you just feel arrested in your heart and you feel like something's going on and you'd love someone to be able to pray with you about knowing Jesus. Then um, we would love to be able to do that. Just not to put you, put anything on you at all, but simply to help you to know how to respond to what you feel in your heart.